Um, we're good? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm very excited to be able to present to you two um, aspects of the parsha, two of the um, primary aspects of the parsha that we're going to focus on. They seem not to be related to each other, but then we're going to find uh, we're going to find a connection. Okay. The first one is at the end of last week's parsha, Hashem comes to Abraham Avinu. And he tells him, I have two important pieces of information to tell you. The first one, he says, you know your wife, Sarai, that nice lady you're married to? That's not her name anymore. She's getting a new name. She's no longer called Sarai. We're taking out the Yud. She's now called Sarah. And by the way, she hasn't had children for the last 90 years. But guess what? She's going to have a, ch a child. So Hashem tells Sarah, uh, Abraham two pieces of information. First of all, you have a new wife. Your wife's name is, uh, has been changed. And number two, number two, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a child. So what was Abraham's reaction? If you look at number one, Abraham Abraham fell on his face and he laughed. He said in his heart, you think I can have a child at the age of a hundred? Could Sarah have a child? She's ninety. It's impossible. So again, what was Abraham's reaction to the news? He laughed. He laughed. It seemed he was incredulous. Then we have again in this week's parsha, where the malachim come to Abraham. Abraham serves them a festive meal, an elaborate meal. And what do the Malachim say to Abraham? By the way, in exactly one year, Sarah is going to have a child. And again, Sarah overhears this. Sarah overhears this. Now, we're assuming right now that Sarah had heard this before. Because at the time that Hashem told Abraham that they're going to have a child, presumably Abraham told Sarah. So now Sarah is hearing the Malachim tell Avraham, the news that in a year they're going to have a child. Vatitzchak, Sarah, Bekir Balemar. Sarah laughed in herself and she said, Edna. After I've become withered out, I mean, my skin is going to become smooth again. Plus, my husband, he's an, old, uh, he's an old guy. We're not having a child. So Avraham laughed. What does this Pasuk say? This Pasuk says, Sarah laughed. Okay, so Sarah has the same, same attitude as Abraham. Vayoymer Hashem al Abraham. Hashem says to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh to say, Ha'af Can I give birth when I'm so old? Hashem Is anything hidden from Hashem? Lamoyed, at the appointed time, we turn to you, as this time lives, In other words, Hashem comes to Abraham with criticism. With criticism. What is Hashem's criticism? Why did Sarah laugh? Something's not fear over here. Why did Sarah laugh? Abraham also laughed. Why is Hashem only criticizing Sarah when in Parshas Lachacha, Abraham had the exact same reaction? If you look at number one, Vayipal Avram Apanov, 
Vayitzchak. Vayitzchak means he left. So Avraham left. Sarah left. Why is Sarah getting the raw end of the deal? You know, you know, a few people uh, do something wrong, and one guy gets picked on. So he says, "What are you picking on me?" Right? Every time you you uh, somebody gets in trouble, why are you picking on me? So here you have Avraham and Sarah. They commit the same crime. They both laugh, and Hashem only criticizes Sarah. Why is that? So we're going to present a number of different explanations why only Sarah is criticized and not Abraham. The first explanation is the explanation of the Targum. The, if you look on the side of the Chumash, there's something called Targum Unklus. Unklus was actually a convert who translated the Torah, but it was not his own translation. The translation of Targum dates back to the giving of the Torah on Har Sinai. The Targum says just because the same word that by Abraham, by Yitzchak, and by Sarah, that Yitzchak, it means two different things. Because the Targum, if you look at number three, when, when it talks about Abraham, look what the Targum translates it as. Unifal Abraham ala pohi. Abraham fell on his face. Vachadi. Vachadi doesn't mean he laughed. Vachadi means he was happy. Right? Gila rina di Anybody? Chedva. Chedva means happy. Bachadi means happy. But by Sarah, the Targum translates it as, look at number four, Bachaycha Sarah. Sarah laughed. In other words, you know why Hashem didn't criticize Abraham? Abraham never laughed. The fact that the Pasuk says, Vayitzchak, it doesn't mean he laughed. It means he was happy. Hashem gave him the report. He was overjoyed. He was happy. He wasn't in disbelief. He was rejoicing. Sarah, when it says, Vatitzchak, that means she laughed. Okay? Look at Rashi number 5. And Rashi says, this answers our question. Why was Sarah criticized and not Abraham? Because Abraham didn't laugh. Abraham was happy. Sarah laughed. Look at Rashi. Rashi says in number 5, Vachadi. By Abraham, Unklus translates it a language of happiness. He rejoiced. Bishel Sarah lashon machof. But by Sarah, a language of laughing. Lamarata, we learn from here. She Abraham hamin the samach. Abraham believed and he was happy. The Sarah loyha amina v'ligluga. Sarah did not believe and she scoffed. Vezehu shehikbed akolish baruch al Sarah. That's why Hashem got angry at Sarah. So in other words, what we're saying is, why did Hashem get angry at Abraham and not at Sarah, not Abraham? Because Abraham didn't do anything wrong. Abraham was happy. He was overjoyed. You hear good news. You hear, you know, somebody, uh, something good happened to somebody. So you smile. You almost laugh. Not incredulously, but out of happiness. Sarah laughed. She couldn't believe it. She didn't believe it. Okay, that's the first approach. Now we're going to learn the approach of the Meshachachma. The Meshachachma was written by Rav Meir Simcha of Dvinsk. Dvinsk was such a small little city that, you know, when you were riding on the horse and buggy, if you would start Ashrei, by the time you got to Soymech Hashem L'chol HaNoiflem, you're out of the city already. That's how small the city was. My father came from Dvinsk. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the Meshachachah was one of the great personages of Dvinsk. So listen to what he says. He says, if, let's say, Mr. Friedman, a Navi comes to you and says, tomorrow, 
You're going to go to the, to the convenience store. You're going to buy, you know, a Lucky 7 scratch-off card. You're going to scratch it off and you're going to win a million dollars. Does it have to come true? A no, remember, a prophet tells you, a Navi, a valid Navi. Yeah. I guess so. It doesn't have to come true. Why? Because if a Navi tells... I'm sorry. Scratch that. No pun intended. But if Hashem comes and tells you, okay, so scratch it. Hashem comes out tomorrow, you're going to go to the convenience store and you're going to scratch a lottery ticket and you're going to win. Does it have to come true? Yes. No. Why? Shema Yigrom Hachet. Maybe you'll sin in the interim and now you'll not be deserving of what Hashem told you. For example, Hashem told Yaakov Avinu, don't worry, don't be afraid of Esau. And then it says, and Yaakov was afraid. And Chazal tell us, you know why he was afraid? He's afraid maybe he sinned and now he doesn't deserve Hashem's protection. So if Hashem comes and tells you something himself, a good thing's going to happen, if you're undeserving of it, it may not happen. However, if a prophet comes to you and says, Hashem told me that a good thing is going to happen to you, it has to happen. No ifs, ands, or buts. It has to happen. If Hashem comes to you, maybe you'll sin and you won't deserve it. If a prophet comes to you, it has to happen. Says the Meshachachma. And this is one of the kochos, one of the powers of the Meshachachma, where he says, he takes a general rule and he applies it to the Chumash. And here's the rule. And here's the application. Hashem comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, you're going to have a child. <laughs> Abraham laughs. Why? Because it might not come true. Why? Because maybe he'll sin and he won't be deserving of it. Now really big tzaddikim, they always think they're unworthy. A tzaddik, you know what a sign of a tzaddik is? If they think they're not a tzaddik, maybe then, maybe then they're a tzaddik. Someone who thinks they're a tzaddik, then you know they're not a tzaddik. If they don't think they're a tzaddik, now, it's, now you have, they have a chance. <laughs> right? The Gemara says that if everyone tells you you're a tzaddik, in your own eyes you should think that you're a rasha. But in any event like this, Hashem comes to Abraham and he says, you're going to have a child. Abraham laughs. Because, just because Hashem told him, maybe he'll sin and he'll be undeserving of Hashem's promise. Because again, the rule is, if Hashem comes and tells you something good is going to happen, it may not happen if you're undeserving. But Sarah... Who told Sarah she's going to have a child? Abraham. Abraham. How do we know Abraham told Sarah she's going to have a child? Because how did Sarah know her name was now Sarah? Hashem never told her about the name change. It must be Abraham told her, by the way, Hashem changed your name from Sarai to Sarah. Now, along with that prophecy of the name change was that she was going to have a child. So if Sarah knew about her name change, it must be Abraham told her that she's going to have a child. So Sarah has no right to laugh. Because if a prophet tells you something good is going to happen, even if you're undeserving, it's still going to happen. So Abraham... What? Maybe Sarah didn't know the rules. These people, they knew. Whatever we knew, they certainly knew. They knew all the halachos, all the principles of the Torah, through divine, divine inspiration. They had to know this. So Abraham, he's allowed to laugh. Because just because the rule is, if Hashem tells you something good is going to happen, maybe you'll be undeserving of it. But when the Navi tells you, when the Prophet tells you that something good is going to happen, it has to happen no matter what. So Abraham wasn't criticized because Hashem was the one who told Abraham. But Sarah is being criticized because Hashem didn't tell Sarah. Abraham told Sarah.
And if a prophet tells you something, there's no ifs, ands, ands or buts. Okay. Listen to this one. Another explanation. Why only Sarah was criticized and not Abraham? Okay? Look in number seven. This comes from the Chizkuni. The Chizkuni is one of the Rishonim. Look at number seven. Four short lines. Im Taimar. Lama la hikbid al-Kadosh Abraham al-Sarah. Why did Hashem not get angry at Abraham like He got angry at Sarah? Shehari k'moy kein sachak Abraham. Abraham also left. Like it says in the final parasha, parasha's lachlacha. <laughs> so listen to what the Chizkuni says. You know, let's say, let's say, you know, you're in a shul and uh, somebody's doing something wrong. You know, somebody's misbehaving during the davening. So you don't go over and tell them you're misbehaving. They'll be embarrassed. So what do you do? You tell them, you know, maybe, do you know why that other person is misbehaving? I can't understand it. And in their own mind, in their own mind, they don't think you're necessarily criticizing them, but the fact that you bring up the issue, they realize that it's applicable to them. In other words, if you want to correct someone, it's not so good to take them head on. It's embarrassing, it's insulting, right? So you don't tell them about what, what they're doing wrong. You tell them about what somebody else is doing wrong, maybe even without mentioning a name. And thereby they get the picture, you know what, I also do that wrong. And uh, I really should correct that myself. So in other words, Hashem comes to Abraham. He says, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And Abraham says, you know what? I also laughed. Uh, and then Abraham gets the point, you know what? Hashem's criticizing me also. Hashem, according to the Chizkuni, was criticizing Abraham. Hashem was criticizing Abraham just as much as Sarah. But Hashem didn't want to insult Abraham and embarrass him. So he did it more in a roundabout way. For example, you know... Uh, Sometimes, you know, in, in where I live, in Flatbush, right? So everyone goes to their in-laws for Pesach. So the mother has the daughter and her family, and the daughter-in-law and her family. And the daughter-in-law, you know, and, and her son and daughter-in-law's kids, they're tearing apart the house. You know, they're coloring all over the walls, and they're, they're ruining the nice rug. But how could the mother tell her mother-in-law, why don't you try taking care of your kids? So what does the mother do? She says to her daughter, you know, why don't, tell your kids to behave. The daughter-in-law hears, then she realizes, you know, she better, uh, you know, she better correct her own kids. So, by the way, there's a Yiddish expression, you know, you say, you talk to the daughter, but you mean the daughter-in-law. <laughs> so, Ella, so the, he says, Ella mashal isha This is a parable to a wise woman. Sheba lehoichiach talasa. She really means to reprimand her daughter-in-law. And instead, she reprimands her daughter. But the daughter-in-law realizes ba'atzma. So too, if Hashem would have reprimanded Avraham, he would have been ashamed. He sort of reprimanded him in, in a roundabout way. So while Rashi says that Sarah was criticized and not Avraham because Avraham didn't do anything wrong. Again, Rashi says, Abraham didn't laugh, Abraham was happy. Chizkuni says, no, they both were at fault. But Hashem criticized Abraham in more of a roundabout way. Okay? So that is the, the third explanation. 
And we said, of course, the Meshachachma says that Avraham was criticized. Avraham was not criticized because he heard it from Hashem. So maybe it won't come true, so he could laugh. But Sarah heard it from the prophet, so she has no right to laugh. I'm going to tell you now a fourth explanation that comes not from a Rishon, not from an Akron, not from a Rosh Hashiva, not even from a man. <laughs> from a Rebetzin. The Rebetzin of the Tzaddik of Yerushalayim. There was an individual by the name of HaTzaddik Yerushalayim, Rav Aryeh Levine. Rav Aryeh Levine was the father-in-law of Rav Yosef Shalom El Yashiv. Rav Yashiv is considered the Posek Hadar, the greatest halachic authority of this time um, for Ashkenazim. Um, his father-in-law was Rabbi Aryeh Levine, a very big tzaddik who was known to visit people in um, prisons. He spent his time visiting people in prisons, visiting very sick people, people with, uh, who had leprosy, who even doctors were afraid to go into. He risked his life all the time to visit people with very contagious diseases. And any, his Rebetzin offered the following explanation for why Abraham was not criticized and Sarah was criticized. What's the explanation? It goes like this. If you remember, there was once a woman by the name of the Isha Hashunamis. And this Isha Hashunamis was barren. She didn't have children for many years. And she tells her husband, you know, we have a nice house. And whenever Elisha, the prophet, passes through the city, he always stops off in our house to stay. So why don't we make him a nice, nice quarters for him to, a nice room for him to stay in. Whenever he comes, this way he'll be comfortable. So they built him a special attic, and he stayed in their house, and he was so overwhelmed by the fact that they, they built these special quarters just for him, that, you know what? He said to the lady, whatever you need, I'll bless you with. So the lady said, no, 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 I don't need anything, I don't need anything. But Elisha on his own saw that she, she was childless, and he promised her, this time next year, you'll be blessed with a child. Sure enough, this woman was blessed with a child. Fine. A little while later, the child grows up. And look at number eight. One day the child is in the field. The child says to the father, Roishi, Roishi, my head, my head. He has a very, he contracts a very bad headache. So the father tells the lad, quickly take this kid to his mother. He's sick. He needs help. Again, this is the child who was miraculously born to the Isha Hashunamis. By Yisaeo, they carried him. By Yivyeo, Alima, they brought him to his mother. By Yosh, by Yeshua, he sits on her lap. until the afternoon. By and he dies. Vatal. The mother goes up. Vatashkiveo, she doesn't know what to do. So she lays the dead child down on the bed of the Prophet. Remember, she built him special quarters. She lays him down on his bed. She lays him down on the bed of this, of this godly man. She closes the door behind him and she leaves. She has to run to the Navi Elisha and she needs a miracle. She needs Elisha to bring him back to life. Vatikra Elisha, she calls out to her husband. Vatoymer, she says, Shulchan Oli Quickly get me a, an attendant. Quickly get me a donkey. I need to run to the prophet. So her husband's wondering, why do you have to run to the prophet? What's wrong? What happened? Is everything okay? Vayomer, he says, Why are you going to the, the prophet today? It's not Rosh Chodesh. Lo Chodesh, 
Today's not Rosh Chodesh. By the way, we learned from here that in the olden days, in the times of the prophets, they would visit the Gadol Hadar every Rosh Chodesh. Below Shabbos. It's not Shabbos. Why do you have to go to the Gadol Hadar today? Batoimer, she said, don't worry. Don't ask so many questions. Shalom. Everything is peaceful. Peaceful? Her only child is dead. How could she say everything is peaceful? She saddles the donkey, she tells the attendant, leave the donkey and go, we work up, don't hold me back, unless I tell you. She goes She goes to the mountain of Hashem, where the, where the Navi lived. When the man of God saw her, so Elisha tells his attendant, Oh, this woman who used to host us, she's coming. Go run to her. Find out how, she do, how she's doing. Say to her, Is everything okay? Is everything okay with your husband? Is everything okay with the child? Everything is wonderful. Here she is. She's running to the Prophet. Why is she running to the Prophet? Because she knows her only hope is that this Prophet could bring her child back to life. And the Prophet says, tells, sends a message. How are you? How's your husband? How's the child? And what's the response? Everything is... Shalom! Shalom! Yeah. But Tomer, it's, it's, it's not uh, correct to Hebrew, no? It's, uh, Tomer, it's uh, masculine, it's not feminine. If she answers it, it should be uh, Tomeret or, um, or Tomra. Who says okay, good. Tomer? In, in, in Biblical Hebrew, you see, Vatomer, Tomer means she will say in the future. Vatomer, there's something called Vav Hames HaPechas, a Vav that changes the tense. It makes it from future to past. Yes. So Vatomer changes it to, and she said. And she said. For example, Yomer means he will say. Vayomer means and he said in the past. Okay? So again, the problem is, here she's going, she's devastated, her only child is dead. The, God, the Navi sends word, how are you doing? How's your husband? How's the child? Everything's wonderful. Everything's wonderful. Her kid is dead. She's coming for a miracle. She's coming to have the Navi revive her child. How could she say everything's okay? Says the Rebetzin of Rav Arya Levine. And we'll read it in the English. Look at number nine. Okay, I have something in English this week. Okay? This is from the biography of Rav Arya Levine. It's worthwhile for everyone to read. You can go to your local bookstore. It's called A Tzaddik in Our Time. It's a fantastic book about a Gadol whose life is quite different than maybe typical Gadolim. He spent his life visiting very sick people, prisoners, criminals, and he was able to sort of cross the <coughs> barriers between Charedim and Mizrachim and Eretz Yisrael. Okay, take a look at what he says. This is something the good rabbi once told me in the name of his beloved wife. Okay? There's a well-known account in the Bible of the child born miraculously to the woman of Shunem in her older years by the great spiritual influence of Elisha the prophet. When the little boy died, she set out to fetch the prophet swiftly, and he revived the child. 
Before she left, however, her husband asked her, Why are you going him, to him today? It's not Rosh Chodesh, it's not Shabbos. And she said, Shalom, meaning everything is A-OK. Why wouldn't she tell her husband the truth that the child had died? And why wouldn't she tell the Navi the truth that her child had died? The answer is, look at this, had she said this, the Prophet would never have been able to revive the child afterward. Once she said it in words, once she said the words, my child is dead, that would have been the reality, that would have been the final reality, and you can't change it. She would have acknowledged the death as an irrevocable fact, and the spirit would have possessed her. In other words, bringing down a miracle from the upper world, from Shemayim to this world, a miracle is such a tenuous, nebulous thing, that as soon as the, real, the reality is vocalized and articulated, the child is dead, there is no way to make a miracle. As long as, it might, the child may be dead, but as long as nobody says it and finalizes it and articulates it, there is still hope. Because once you articulate the reality, it's like you've given up hope. Once you give up hope, you can't have a miracle. So she didn't want to say, my child is dead. She said, everything's okay, everything's okay. Because at least that way she could maintain some semblance of hope, and then a miracle could kick in. Wow. Now this is what we call Torah Shabbat Sav, the written part of the explanation. Now I'm going to tell you the Torah Shabbat the oral part of the explanation. What does this have to do with Abraham and Sarah? Beautiful. Again, we want to know, why did Hashem criticize Sarah? And not Abraham. Listen to this. In number one, Vayipoel Abraham Vayitzchak. Abraham fell on his face and he laughed. So what? He laughed? No problem. Vayomer Belibo. He only said it in his heart. He never vocalized it. He never articulated it that it's impossible to have a child. If you don't articulate it, you don't vocalize it, a miracle could come. But... Sarah didn't just think it. Sarah said it. Look at number two. Fatitzchak Sarah Bekirba Lamar. She laughed at herself, saying, Ah, oh, she said the words, How could I have a child? You say the words, How could I have a child? You can't have a child. That's why, says the Rebbetzin of Ravari Levine, Sarah is criticized, but Abraham is not. Because even though Abraham laughed, he left open the possibility for a miracle because he never said it. But after Sarah articulated it, vocalized it, you can't have a miracle. So you say, Rabbi Gladstein, if once you vocalize it, you can't have a miracle. So how did Sarah have the miracle? I thought she vocalized it. That's why Hashem comes to her in the next Pasuk. Nothing's hidden from Hashem. You're right. You've destroyed and you've smashed the miracle to smithereens. Now I, God, have to come to you and make a new decree and make a new miracle. In other words, the first decree of the prophet is gone. Why? Because you vocalized it, you articulated it, you destroyed the miracle. Now I have to go through the trouble. Is anything, is anything hidden from Hashem? I'm making a new decree and now a new miracle will happen. Meaning if she wouldn't laugh, if she wouldn't laugh, if she wouldn't vocalize her doubts, she wouldn't verbalize her doubts, then the Yitzhak would be born he wouldn't have to go through the Akedah, he would be much more perfect and would be what... Uh... We wouldn't have needed Hashem Himself to come and promise a child 
the first promise that Hashem promised Abraham would have been sufficient. Now, why does Hashem have to come and say, I'm going to come to you in a year? We already know that. He already told Abraham. The answer is that was destroyed. That was destroyed. Now we need a new promise. We need a new, we need a new decree. Okay. Speaking about the Akedah, speaking about the Akedah, um, I'm going to tell you a few incredible things about the Akedah. Look at number 11. It was after these things, Nisa S. Abraham, God, Nisa, Abraham. What does the word Nisa mean? What does the word Nisa mean? Nisa means a miracle. What does Nisa mean? The simple explanation of Nisa is God tested Abraham. Okay? Even though we know Hashem tested Abraham how many times? Ten. Ten times. This is the only time where the Torah uses the word Nisa. However, it's very difficult to say that the word Nisa means a test. Because what's a test? A test is you want to find out why do you test something? Because you want to find out what the outcome will be. In other words, you don't know what the outcome will be and you're trying to decipher and determine what the outcome will be. Does God need to determine what the outcome will be? HaKot Safoy, everything is known. Hashem knows the future. So how could you say Hashem was testing Abraham? Hashem knows whether Abraham is going to pass or not. So what, what's not a test? A test is you're trying to determine the outcome. Hashem doesn't need to determine the outcome. He knows what the outcome will be. So how could we say the word Nisa means Hashem is testing Abraham? Says the Ramban, I maintain that it does mean Hashem is testing Abraham. But it's not a test on the part of the test giver. It's a test on the part of the one taking the test. Because since whoever's taking the test, he has absolute free choice, he could choose to do whatever he wants. Every human being is given free choice to do, go on the right path or go on the wrong path. No, let nobody make a mistake and think any aspect of his life is forced upon him or any decision is forced upon him. Everything is complete free choice. And therefore, for Hashem, on the part of what the Ramban says, the Minaseh, the one giving the test, it's not a test. But on the part of the one taking the test, it's a test. But the question is, but we're saying, so why, but why would Hashem make him go through it if, he, if Hashem knows the result? The answer is, just because Hashem knows the result, that means Hashem knows that Abraham's heart has the ability to choose the right path. But at the present moment, God cannot reward Abraham for action, because he has yet to perform the action. As of yet, Hashem can only reward Abraham for his good intentions and good heart, and his wanting and ability to do it if asked. But Hashem tests him to do it, so that he could actually do it, and then be rewarded for his act. In other words, it's not a test. It's just an opportunity for Hashem to give Abraham more reward. Until he actually does it, Hashem can only reward Abraham for his thoughts. Now that he does it, Hashem can reward him for his actions. Okay? That is the opinion of the Rambam. The Rambam says, we're translating the word incorrectly. When the Pasuk says, V'ha'alaikim nisa es Abraham, God was Nisa Abraham. 
it doesn't mean a test. We say in Shemona Esrei, Tekat b'shofar gadol blow the great shofar to free us. V'sa nes and raise the banner to gather in our exiles. In other words, Hashem is going to gather all the Jews from all corners of the world. How are they going to know to come to Eretz Yisrael? Hashem is going to have someone raise a big banner as the crying call, come, come, come. The word nes can mean a flag or a banner. So what the Rabbam says is, you know what it means? Well, like him, Nisa, it's Abraham. It doesn't mean he tested him. It means he raised him up as a banner. How? Hashem raised up Abraham and He says to the world, Look at what a human being could accomplish. Look up and learn from Abraham. It's not a test. It doesn't mean God tested him. There's no such thing as God needing to test someone. It means God raised him up like a banner. Look what a human being could accomplish. Well, what does that mean? Look at number 14. Look at number 14 in the second paragraph. This is from the Sefer Mora Nevuchim. The Rabbam, besides writing his Halachic Compendium, he wrote a Sefer, Mora Nevuchim, Mora Nevuchim means guide for the perplexed. Actually, the Rabbam wrote it in Arabic because that was the language most people understood at the time. And the Rabbam writes, the, great, the most love that anybody ever had for anything in the history of mankind was Abraham's love for his son. Okay? People love money. People love their life. But here you have a man, he was a hundred years old. He was wealthy, he was intelligent, he was spiritually strong. He was the perfect candidate to start a nation. And there's nothing more he wanted than to be able to have a child to perpetuate his legacy. He was the only, the only person in the world who stood up to polytheism and believed in one God. And there's nothing more he wanted than to pass it on to his children. And the greatest love anyone ever had for anything was Abraham to Yitzchak. Especially he waited his whole life to have him. And then Hashem says, slaughter him. So now he's demonstrating that even though the greatest love anybody ever had for anything is his love for Yitzchak, but there is one love that supersedes that. The love of person for Hashem. Even though no one ever loved anything more than Abraham loved Yitzchak, Abraham was showing that Love, Avas Hashem, could surpass even that. And that was the banner. Avra Hashem holds up Avraham to the world. Look at what love of Hashem means. Look what, how great, how powerful, how much a person's heart could feel love of Hashem, that it could surpass even the greatest love imaginable. Okay? So that's what it means, Valakim Nisos Avraham. And the Radak asked though, God is raising up Abraham. To who? Who's going to learn the lesson? You know, when, Hash, when Abraham took Yitzchak to slaughter him, who was there? So he takes with him Eliezer and Yishmael. But then at a certain point he says, you stay here, I'm going with Yitzchak. So at the time that he was about to slaughter Yitzchak, who was there? No one. So who's... Hashem doesn't have to test nobody. He was testing Abraham. No, so we're saying it wasn't a test. It was, God was holding him up as a banner. Look what a human being could accomplish. It wasn't a test. God knew he would do it. But we didn't know that a human being could do it. Me and you didn't. So the question is, but how is he holding him up as a banner if no one's there? 
And what? Abraham is going to come back to the rest of the world and say, Guess what? Hashem came to me and told me I should slaughter Yitzchak. So I went up to the mountain and I was going to do it. But at the last second, Hashem came to me and He told me not to do it, so I didn't do it. Anyone going to believe Him? Of course not. <laughs> no one's going to believe Him. Okay. Nice Baba Maisa. No one's going to believe Him. The Radak says, Hashem was not holding Him up as a banner to the people of His generation. Hashem was holding up as a banner for all those who believe in the authenticity of the Torah. That he's, Hashem's holding up Abraham to me, to you, to all those who are ma'aminim, who believe in the authenticity of the Torah. And the Radak even points out that as polytheism disappeared from the world, the majority of the world believes in the stories of the Chumash. Whether it's the Christians, the Muslims, the Jews, they all accept that this is a factual story. So in essence, Hashem is holding Abraham up as a banner to the entire world as a sign of, look what it means to love Hashem. The Muslims say it's Yishmael, not Yitzchak. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> still, it's, his own, it's, it's his the same son. point, right. Yeah. Okay. Let's <coughs> have two more points. What is the connection between Sarah not believing the report that she's going to have a child and the Akedah? Chazal tell us, and this is next week's parsha, that Sarah ultimately passed away from this world. Why? Because the Malach came to her and the Malach gave her an image that Abraham was slaughtering Yitzchak and that he did slaughter her. And she believed it and she fainted and she died. So how did Sarah die? When she received the report that Abraham was about to slaughter Yitzhak, she thought he did it. She fell off the roof, right? She, she, wasn't she fainted. Her heart went out. Okay, her heart went out. The question is, why did Hashem punish Sarah in this way? That she should die accepting the false report of an angel? Listen to this. This is, this is incredible. There is a Rishon by the name of Paneach Raza. Paneach Raza means the one who uncovers the secrets. Well, it's a, it's a safer that's not easy to obtain. And he says an incredible idea. He wants to know, look at number 17. You can ask, Why did Hashem have Sarah die through the trickery of the Satan? Where the Satan, the angel of punishment, comes to Sarah and shows her an image that Abraham had killed Yitzchak. Why? It was a false report. Why did Hashem allow this to happen? Says the Paneach Raza, the tirates of Shor Rabbi Huda HaChassid, the father of Rabbi Huda HaChassid, answers, God, God dealt with her measure for measure. Hashem is exacting with the righteous like a hair's breath. Because Sarah didn't accept a true report of the angel that she was going to have a child, here the angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a child. And it was true, and Sarah denied it. Hashem says, you don't accept the truth, you'll have to accept the lie. So the angel comes to her and says, you know, that son that you were going to have, Abraham killed him. And now she had to accept it. When you don't accept the truth, the punishment is you're going to accept the lie. Wow. Says the Chsam Soifer, look at number 18. He quotes the words of the Paneach Raza word for word, basically. 
And in the very last line, look at the Panayach was, look what the Chassam Sofer writes. Chassam Sofer, you have to realize, lived end of the 1700s, beginning of the 1800s, and at the advent of reform. Look what he says. Ve'edavar gadol diber hanavi. This Sefer Panayach Raza, the Chassam Sefer says, he's a prophet, and he's saying something very great. So here you have an Achron in the 1800s, saying that something that was written 500, 700 years earlier was prophecy. What does Chassam Sofer mean that these words are prophecy? What he means is like this. The Chassam Sofer was living in the age of the advent of reform. And he sees Jews who are being duped into what is fake Judaism. Where their pastors tell them, Shabbos is not traditional Shabbos. Shabbos, you drive to shul, or you speak on the microphone. The, the pastors convince them of some type of fake Judaism. Why do these Jews believe it? Why do they fall for it? That's not Shabbos. Shabbos is not driving. Shabbos is not using the organ. Shabbos is not speaking on the microphone. Why do they accept it? Why do they believe it? Their pastors tell them, no, Kashros, it's just for health reasons. So just make sure you cook the food well. Why do they accept? It's not, the, the, whatever they're telling them, it's not for health reasons, it's not for spiritual reasons, and they accept a false version of Judaism. Why do they fall for it? Says the Chassam Soifer, because God is punishing them measure for measure. Because when you don't accept the truth, when you don't accept authentic Judaism, you're going to fall for unauthentic Judaism. You're going to fall for Sheker. Because if you don't accept the MS, then the punishment is God will make you accept that which is completely fabricated. And therefore, the Rishonim say that because Sarah did not accept the report that she was going to have a child, which was a true report, her punishment was now she's going to accept something which is not true. And that's how... Sarah ultimately passed away. And that's what the Chassam Sefer means. He's calling the words of the Rishonim prophecy because they were able to understand that hundreds of years later, a time will come when people will come to Jews with complete, complete fabrication and Jews will have to accept it out of a punishment because if you don't accept the truth, you're going to accept something which is not true. Shkayach. Sarah's punishment was much harsher than those Jews.